Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. Watch and listen to Higher Learning where we dissect the biggest topics in black entertainment, politics, and sports. Twice a week, we react to the most important and timely conversations, often inviting guests to offer unique perspectives. Listen to Higher Learning free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults with zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability, no system no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Not the first South African guest we've ever had here. Your second. Second? Can you guess who was first? I have no clue. Let me think. Sports figure? No. No? No. Wow. Run through your head of all the South African celebrities. Oh man, a business person? No. So not like a like a tech person. Not I think a... Hollywood area. Oh Hollywood. So who like Charlize Theron maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two years ago, she she brought the house down. It was great. <laughs> Very confident lady. She's a good podcast. <laughs> She's amazing. Trevor She's really Noah's cool. here. We've circled this podcast. I don't know for like a year. Right. But you're never here. You 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 work. During I mean, the week, yeah. and then you travel every weekend and you do comedy. I do stand up every single weekend. Do you the work daily seven show. days a week. Yeah, well, six days. No, I take the seventh off. You do? You take yeah. Sundays off? I do. What do you do on Sundays? I just rest. I just take that you day. Just rest yeah, sleep. man, it's the Lord's day. I rest. <laughs> you know, just try and appreciate the week that's been, and then get ready for the next one. So you're doing Friday, Saturday night? Yeah, so I'll do up. Friday night, Saturday nights. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do Monday through Thursday on the Daily Show, and then Friday mornings I'll work on some stuff for the show just to try and plan like bigger picture things. And then Friday nights, I'm in a city somewhere in America. And then Saturday, I hit another another city. What's, your, then, what's your process for the stand-up? Like how much time do you spend? Are you crafting new material? Or are you trying to hone the same act? Is it a blend? What are you well, doing? Well, the way, the way I do it is because I can't do clubs the way I used to. Like it's funny. I remember when I, when I first started The Daily Show, I used to do The Daily Show and then I'd immediately go down to the cellar and do a set that same night. And I'll do that every single day and I'd work seven days. And then one day I was chatting to Chris Rock and he was like, he was like, how many days do you work? And I said, I work seven. He's like, you're gonna be the best worst comedian that's ever existed. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about, Chris? And he's like, oh, your joke's gonna be about airports. I've been in this airport. I've been in that airport. He's like, you're gonna make jokes about nothing that people care about. And he's like, you gotta live life. Yeah. That's what he said. He said, if you want to write great comedy, you need to start living more life. And that's what I started doing. You know, I, I took more time off and I realized the comedy became better. I had a, you know, a broader point of view. 
And so that's what I do now. So most of the weekend travel is my time off. And it's also, I get to see America, like really, really get to see America. This was the Eddie Murphy issue way back when. Really? He became too famous. He was the best comedian of that decade, but he became too famous. He wasn't around anybody. Right. So how do you do comedy if you're just in some mansion with five well, yeah, people every night? It's, it's hard to observe when you are the person being observed all the time. Yeah, you just have all these people jumping around when you right. move. It's like, what is he going to do a stand-up act about? I remember one time I walked into a CVS and there were two guys packing boxes and they, they just got into a fight. And it was about to be the most hilarious fight ever. And the one guy stopped and then he was like, yo, 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 it's Trevor Noah, calm down. He gonna make, <laughs> he gonna make jokes about this. And I just stood there and I was like, what? <laughs> and they and they stopped. Well, now I wonder. Was, you know, that was it. My joke was gone. With comedy now, I wonder because everybody's looking at their phones so much and everybody's online all the time. Like that whole observation type thing. Oh, it doesn't stop. Because like, when, if I go to Starbucks or something, right, and I just look around and just everybody's just looking at their phone. Nobody even like looks up anymore. Right. That sounds like the old guy on the couch, but um, <laughs> it's just. You know, there was a lot of time to kill back in the day. And now everybody like, can kill time on their phones. Yeah, but I feel like that's true in certain places. But if you are in New York, there is still enough crazy to go around. <laughs> yeah, I was and, just there. That's definitely true. Yeah. And when you go, like I say, when you go into, like when you're in Springfield, Missouri, it's not the Starbucks where everyone's got their phones, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're, when you're really traveling, when you're in Amherst, Massachusetts, it's like a different oh, world altogether. Amherst. Yeah. I was just yeah. there this past weekend. So, so you, you know, that's the fun thing for me is I, I go like, you know, and then you're trying to find the most decent place to eat and you, you're walking through a little town. Half the people have no clue who you are. Yeah. Like, that's fun. I like that. Are you doing like a, who's your base when you do stand up? Like, do, you are mean? you big with colleges? Is it or just everybody? Everybody, like, everybody. I've been, I've been lucky because daily life. show, like everybody, at least your profile from that combined with all the other stuff, right? You know, you, you kind know of belong to all the different kind of uh, groups. What's interesting is, I've been lucky that I have a a good cross section of people in my audiences. Yeah. So, I have a lot of young fans from college. I have a lot of like young kids that like me where their parents are trying to fight with me to bring them to the show. They'd be like, my kid's 12 and they won't let him in. I'm like, I, I, I can't help you. We have an age restriction. It's like, but why? You, you're you not crazy on stage. I'm like, yeah, but we just have that. Um, so you think that's from Daily Show Digital? No. That's like YouTube from, and all that's that That's from like the YouTube yeah. and the stand-up. So because I'm animated and I guess because of how my face is shaped, I found that very young children like it. <laughs> they don't understand the stand-up, but they're just like, yeah. That, he looks like a cartoon character. I like him. <laughs> he seems friendly. Yeah. So I have a lot of young kids who like me. And then I have a lot of older people who like me. And a lot of them I've come to find like me because of how I speak. You know, they'll be like, young man, you're so well-spoken. I like how articulate you are. Mm. Just the, your voice alone is so interesting. Are There's you dignity the, to it. You're the British guy from South Africa, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess you could put it that way. <laughs> Uh, so, so, you know what, everyone has a different reason, but I'm, but I'm blessed because the audience is, is as mixed as you could ever find. I think it's so funny when people try to figure out what the audience is for a late night show in this day and age. Right. Cause there's no way to know. It's so splintered and it's so all over the place. And you know, the daily show has such a big digital footprint. Right. 
that yeah. for when they people write these stories down, it's like, look at the ratings in the 18 to 49. It's like, what are you guys talking about? Like, my son's 11. He doesn't even go on cable. He doesn't know what channel anything's That's on. That's interesting, right? He just watches YouTube and goes to uh, Hulu and doesn't he, he thinks probably the Daily Show is on whatever streaming service carries it versus oh yeah no people versus Comedy Central yeah I have people who literally say to me I love your show on Facebook <laughs> yeah and you just have to keep it moving you nod and you keep it moving yeah you know people people don't know where anything is anymore they care more about the content and we would like there's a generation that's growing up now that lives a la carte and I think media companies are going to have to realize that sooner or later. I think they realize it now, but I think there was, I don't think they know what to totally do about that's it. That's true. Yeah, that's but true. I think these last five years have been all about, oh, wait a second. What's going on here? Right. You know, you even see like Disney last week announced this whole streaming service that we've all known about forever. Yep. It's going to be $7 a month and going to have our, we knew they were doing this for two years. They should have been doing it six years ago. You know what's funny though, is you go, you go, you've got your Netflix and then you're going to have your Disney streaming and then you're going to have your like CBS streaming. Then you have your ESPN streaming here. And then we're going to need someone to put all of these streaming services together in one place. And then we're going to call that a box, but we're going to call it the streaming box. And then we're going to pay $50 a month to have all of our streaming things. And we're going to get back to the same place. Oh, that is 1,000% like, happening. it's too much. It's just, come on. That's 1,000% How many apps happening? do you have? I, like, I can't They're all going to be bundled together yeah. in a one giant service that, yeah. you know, there'll be one password for it, yep. and it'll be streamed the most easily, whatever. Yeah. The brand yeah. new cable streaming box. It's basically what Hulu did, but blown out. Essentially. Because Hulu is like an amalgam of five different whatevers. You know what's funny is that's how we watch TV in South Africa. So, like, a lot of people don't know this, but most countries in the world get the best of U.S. television. So, like, countries come over here, and then they just buy your best shows, right? So anything that's blowing up will get bought, and then they bring it to their country. And because they buy it like pennies on the dollar, it's like they'll, they'll, they'll afford shows that you could never buy in America all yeah. on one channel. So overseas, when we watch, like, TV, you're just like, man, America just has great television. It's just like back to back to back to back hits, back to back. And then you get here and you're like, what, what is this? What, Jesus. What is this stuff that fills the time? Who is this judge? How many judges do you have? <laughs> How many people go to, you know what I mean? It's like, it's such a weird, um, it's such a weird uh, difference. And I mean, I feel like that's what's going to happen in America. Is someone's going to do that model. Just be like, hey, we'll just put the best together for you and you just pay. I feel that way about England. What do you mean? Well, the, all the TVs that make, man, they make so many great shows. Right. But I'm sure there's a, a hundred shows they make every year that I don't ever hear they about. They actually that don't are make awful. that many. Oh, really? No, they don't so make that. you think they have a high batting average? Yeah. They, I mean, they, they, they don't really make a show. So here's the thing. The difference I've, I learned when, when I was working on TV in, in, in the UK versus in America, there they'll be like a series of six episodes. They go, right. yeah, that's a great idea, Bill. Let, let's do it. Six episodes. That's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, got a full story. Oh, you know, people, people love it. Maybe we do a second season and then it's done. Like that was like the Ricky Gervais office. That was what, two seasons? Done. Well, that was, and it was the most successful. I don't know if you've noticed this, but America has now stolen that concept. Oh, well, they, I, I just mean, read he, an article today with HBO where the new guy who took it over is like, I love the miniseries concept. Right. Six episodes, six to oh, seven episodes funny. and you're out. That's funny. And it's like, yeah, this is, England's been doing this. All decade. Yeah, but they were just like, the story's done. It's done. How much more can you do, yeah? It's done. There's been some shows that should have done that. 
in the past in in the American pop culture past. Right. I like uh, I like especially now because there's so many options. Knowing that I'm going to be done in seven episodes, like Big Little Lies was like that last year. It's so seven, you like seven knowing- episodes. I know there's a finish line. I'm not intimidated. I don't have to watch like 50 episodes or 25. I just got my seven. I'm in and out. It's like a big movie. Okay. I like knowing that a show's not going to try to hook me on the last episode of a season. To bring me, bring you back for the next season. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. That's not cool. Is it fair of commitment? That's, no, I just don't (laughs) like that. You just leave me hanging. I don't like that. That's a big American thing. That started with the show Dallas in 1980. Dallas Which is our big soap opera. It's yeah, called we, Dallas. We, your, we oh, you got, got your, Dallas. Yeah, we got your soap operas like 10 years after you guys had them. So Dallas had Who Shot JR was the big cliffhanger. Right, right. And it became one of the biggest phenomenons of my entire childhood. And once they did that, everyone's like, oh, we need our cliffhanger. And they just set yeah, it's not cool. 30 plus years of cliffhangers. No, I think emotionally it's not good for people. It was worse in 1980 because we didn't we didn't have a lot going on. <laughs> If you had a cliffhanger in 1980, it really <laughs> no social media. Now you just move on to the next thing. Like, we're taping this on the Monday, the day after Tiger Woods won the Masters. It's like, already people are already done with it. It's That's not even crazy, noon yet. right? It's like, oh, yeah, that was incredible. All right, next thing. On to the next. Move on to Game of that Thrones. That would have been, like, the story of, like, the month, like, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. There was a whole way we consumed this stuff. When I was growing up, all the way through, like, my 20s, where that would happen, talk about it for two days, Sports Illustrated would come out on a Wednesday with like the definitive piece right. about it. It's like this four-day news cycle. Now the cycle is 14 hours. Yeah. And we were like racing to get a podcast up last night, but while people still care about it. You oh, know? yeah, because you because you needed to talk about the Tiger Woods thing when it happened. If we're putting it up like right now, it's kind of late. You that's, know? I feel like that's sad, though. You know, you know why I feel like that's sad is especially... So I, obviously, because of the Daily Show, I work in the world of information and news. Yes. But the thing I've found is, you know, and you had a similar thing when you were doing your show on HBO. Yeah. Like I, I would watch episodes and I was like, there's so much more that, that goes into any, any idea or political point of view or conversation than you can digest in a conversation. And we've gotten to the point now where we want it in a Twitter link. We just, we, we, we don't want to click the link. We just want the tweet. What is the tweet going to tell us? This is what this person said. This is what that person said. I've formed my opinion. I'm done. Yeah. Because nuance is boring. It's long. It's, you know, it's, you've, it's convoluted. You've got to take this journey. You've got to, you know, it's a lot of the time that the questions are chicken and the egg. It's like, which problem do you solve first? It's a lot easier for people to just go, here's my opinion. I base it on a few facts and I'm done. And I move on to the next topic. Outrage, uh, you know, just like, like an outcry. And then, we move on, but I, I don't know. It feels like we don't we don't actually do anything. We just like we don't actually think about anything anymore, which throws me. What's what's weird about what you just said is podcasts are one of the only things left that people engage with that's over true. a long period of time. Yeah, that's true. But they're usually probably doing something else. I would say most of the people listening to this right now are doing one other thing. Maybe this is the main focus, but there's probably a second thing yes. happening. Um but yeah, right. like when I did my show. The big reason I wanted to do that show is because I had had a lot of success interviewing people on podcasts. And I was like, this should be a TV show. Right. And what you realize is, especially we did a half hour, it should have been an hour. There's different things, but people would have rather have heard the guests I had as a podcast than to watch them. Why do you think that is? Because I think, I, I think TV people need to be more engaged. They need to, 
be pulled in more consistently versus like the listening experience I think is a little more laid back, which is what an interview is. Like if you really want to interview somebody, you have these guests that are on. Yeah, that's true. They're on for seven minutes. And that, that late night motto of this guy's out, crowd goes nuts. Right. Person right, comes right. in, they tell their three things they want to hit and then they leave. That's kind of what they're used to. So that's if, true. if they're just sitting there for an hour, I don't know. I, I could never crack it. I'd, I'd be interested to see who could. I wonder if it's a if it's just a dead format in a way. I kind of feel like it is. <laughs> it's I think as it's, dead as my show is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also uh, I think it's also a byproduct again of like social media. So so here's my thing. What I've realized social media does is people look for abbreviated descriptions of what to expect as opposed to watching it for themselves. So if Bill Simmons interviews somebody on his show, people go online and they wait to see what the like the little footnotes are, the cliff notes, and then people are like, ah, oh, got it. Okay, yeah. just go, to, skip to 1412. That's literally what you'll see online. Skip I, to this moment for the action. And then the action's good or bad, but you don't have any context. You don't have, you're like, that's all you need to watch. But that yeah. isn't all you need to watch. You yeah, know? it's true. Especially in an interview, it has some ebbs and flows and you can check the body language right. and the way people react. And I, I think that era might be, done for tv what was your what was the favorite interview that you've had so far on daily show oh man you, my favorite I mean, how interview. long do you have what's the longest one you've done well i've i've thrown that out the window i talk to the people as long as i need to speak to them and then you edit it after yeah we edited afterwards but i, I put it all up online like i i've just gone like hey man i understand we work within the confines of the time of a show but i i also realize that i want to create in a certain way so the way i make the show now is i go here's what's on the show if I have extra thoughts, I put them on between the scenes. I just talk to the audience, talk about what's happening in the world, ideas that I haven't formed fully. Sometimes I engage with them. They ask me questions. I ask them questions. Put that out online. When I talk to people, I go, hey, Bill, we're going to sit down. If the conversation is rolling, we're going to roll for 25 minutes. Yeah. We'll put seven minutes up on TV, and then we'll tell the people on TV, hey, there's a full interview online. Go and watch it. We'll try to give you – these are basically it. the highlights. But I'm not going to try and Frankenstein and make it seem like, oh, this is the interview. Because it isn't. Yeah, we had we had a 30-minute show. And we probably had like two different guest things. And I did what you did. So we would go like 35, 40, right, 45 right. minutes. And then try to cut it to 10. It was too hard to do over yeah, a yeah. short time. I think that if you were doing like a monthly show where you have, the, you know, almost like how the... Uh, the weekly morning shows are doing, you have more time to actually edit it. Right. And really Find the magic. Out. Yeah. But I still like the long form more. Now I'm probably in the minority, but I like hanging out with the people and really trying to get a feel for what they're like. We've had some awesome podcasts in here where you spend an hour with somebody, you feel like you kind of, you get to know them. You have a feel for them. I don't know if you get to know them, but you know, you actually kind of feel what maybe, maybe what they care about, what makes them tick, how that's they got what, to where they got. That's what I like in a podcast. Like when I'm in, I mean, that's one thing I miss about LA, driving, listening to a podcast. I feel like I'm hanging out with some people, you know. Just LA is much more fun than it used to be, like in that respect. The driving's better because there's more stuff to listen to. Yes. The Uber thing's a game changer. Right. Do and that's Uber happened since, oh yeah. I, I don't, I cannot Uber in LA. Oh, we did, totally. The Especially joy of like, driving. Well, if you're going out for a dinner, you want to have a drink or two. Oh, At that point, I'm Ubering. Yeah, I guess. I'd, I'd rather drive than drink. <laughs> I love driving so much. It's a hot take. <laughs> it's true. I'd rather drive. So it doesn't sound like, like you're long for New York How then. good is alcohol? I'm like, man, drive. 
<laughs> I'll drink when I get home. So you love the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> you assume that I'm driving fast. <laughs> no, man, I just, I don't know. There's something that, because, you know, I come from a country where we drive everywhere, and what I loved about my car was that it was my cocoon. It's my little world where everything is the way I set it. You know, my my radio, my volume, my my everything. It's like... It's my little meditation chamber that gets me from my home to my office space. Yeah. You know, whereas New York, you leave your home and you are just in like the craziest. There's a siren going past. There's school kids flying by you. There's, you know, there's like a homeless guy who's not homeless, but maybe he is. And he's like swatting at you and swearing <laughs> at you. And then there's dogs and the, like... That's chaos. And then you get into work. And you forgot like, about wow. the pile drivers. There's always pile drivers. Dude, it's like, come People on. People just drilling. It's just drilling. People New drilling York is never stuff. finished. It's just never, ever finished. What are we building? Nothing. But I was going. there a couple of weeks ago and it just, every time, I'm anti-New York, but part of it's because I'm from Boston and I'm just conditioned <laughs> that's like that. But um, every time I'm there, it's just complete chaos. And some people love it and I don't like it as much. I don't like just... The, the smell of garbage and you don't just this guy walking through i can't walk down this street unless i walk under this little hastily made thing that might the collapse on me the scaffolding yeah. that's how you know you're living bill <laughs> apparently <laughs> <laughs> i mean there is a real energy to it and like we went to a play we went to kill mockingbird one of the days we were there and it's like come out of that play and you're in Times square and broadway like there really is nothing like that yeah i'm not sure it's worth some of the other stuff. Or I ride my bicycle in New York. Is. That's my piece. What is it? I ride my bicycle in New York. Oh, do you? Yeah, that's my piece. You put the little AirPods on? No, no. I don't want to die. Yeah. No, you got to hear everything I see the bicyclist with the AirPods no, on. That seems I, like a suicide I see that, mission. I'm just like, why would you? Anything could be coming from any direction in New York. Yeah. All the time. Right. No, so I'm on the bicycle and it just, yeah, it keeps me alive, keeps me alert. So how does New York compare to UK? Oh, it's it's really oh, it's really different. Like, I mean, London. First of all, it's London, New York. Because as soon as you get out of London, it's countryside. Right. It's just like you know, and then you get to like Newcastle or Manchester, little cities, but they're completely different. But London is like a very, I'd say it's a very tame version of New York. A lot cleaner, a lot more historic. You the buildings aren't as high, so you don't feel as claustrophobic. You know, True. Um, it also doesn't stay open as late, so it, it gets quiet at a nice time. Other than like Soho, you'll you'll have like a cool vibe in London where you just you know you can walk through the streets at like 10 p.m. and it's really quiet in certain places, and you just get to enjoy the feeling of the buildings and the history. Whereas New York, that's the biggest reason I have to leave every weekend. Sunday and Monday is the same thing in New York. Mm. Like if I blindfolded you, spun you around for three weeks and then dropped you in New York City and said what day of the week it is, you wouldn't be able to tell me. There's no there's no telling. That what- was when they had the Super Bowl in New York, probably 2014. Yeah, but- it was so weird because you're in there and it's like, yeah, Super Bowl. And it's like just another day in New York. It, everything is another you day. You would have had no idea the Super Bowl was there. Everything. There are days I drive past Madison Square Garden and I didn't realize one of the biggest touring artists in the world is there. Yeah. That's how you'll be walking into your own show at a venue, like I've literally been doing shows where it's like there's 6,000 people waiting for me and I'm rushing through a crowd and these people have no clue who I am <laughs> or that I'm doing a show. They're just like, hey, you. And I'm like, oh, someone's going to ask for an autograph. They're like, get out of the way, man. I'm missing my train. People are just running to do their own thing. It's a city where everyone has something else going on, which I do like. I do yeah. like that part of it. Whereas in LA, like even your plumber has a script. I don't like that. <laughs> I love London. I, I went for the Olympics for four weeks with my family. Right. 
in uh, in 2012, and the weather came through, which I think is a big, you know, when it changes it, right? When London's nice and happy and sunny, it's yeah. a different place. But you know, it has obviously some Boston DNA in there because everybody <laughs> from England built Boston, so. The whole concept of it people. It is old England, of course. Yes, yes. You know, the three o'clock, just people at bars and right. just having a good time. I was like, ah, oh, this makes sense. That's your vibe? Yeah, that's kind of what, what Boston was like. But uh, How often do you go back to Boston? I try to go back six to seven times a year. Oh, okay. That's enough. Yeah. and and I love Boston. I try to go back at time. Some I try not to go back always when it's nice. It's important to go back when it's like horrible, when it's like ten degrees. Oh, I've only been be there like, oh, this is this is why I'm I'm okay with not living here That's anymore. Funny. But uh, no, it's great. It's still it's still the best visiting city because it's compact. You know, you can you can kind of hit all the places you want to hit. I always try to follow that like historic trail. You know, the thing where they draw the there's like arrows. Yeah, on the, the Freedom ground. Trail. Yeah, yeah. And I just I just follow that. Yeah. I don't even know where it was leading me. I was just like, let's go. How often do you go back to South Africa? I'll do maybe four or five times a year. Really? Yeah. How come? What do you mean? Why do you go back four or five times a year? Same reason you go back. What do you mean? I didn't ask you how come. Why would you how come me for South Africa? (laughs) Well, it's really far away, isn't it? You know what? Once a flight goes over five hours, it's all the same. I thought it was like 15 hours. Yeah, 16. 16 hours. It's all the same. You don't find that? For me, there's only two types of flights. There's a short flight and there's a not short flight. Yeah. That's it. If a flight is two hours, two and a half, somewhere there, that's a short flight. Anything below that. Once it gets five, six, 10, 15, it's all the same to me. You know why? Because like you're LA, sleeping. Yeah, because LA is like the one of the worst flights. LA, New York, it's five or seven, depending on like the pilot that day. And then it's just <laughs> long enough to be annoying, but it's not long enough that you can fully sleep or like watch a movie properly. And like, it's just, it's like a weird time. Whereas if I go for 16 hours, I know I have like a full rotation. I can stay on the plane. I can watch movies. I can eat, can read a book, can sleep for eight hours, wake up in the next place and I'm gone. Like I, 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 I like that feeling about it, you know? You agree with this case, Tommy? I completely agree. So you think after four hours, it doesn't matter if it's 16 after or five, seven. After five, six, it's all the same. I'm done. That's fair. I've been, I, I want to go back to London pretty soon because uh, it's now it's almost been seven years. But uh from LA, you it's like. You go back before they Brexit. That's what you need to do. How, how much time do I have? <laughs> That's the question everyone's asking. <laughs> but I have like four months left. I, it, apparently, now it's like nine months. <laughs> it's like the never ending divorce. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 
37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. I want to talk about narratives with you because when you took over The Daily Show, certain narrative takes hold and that just becomes the narrative and then you have to break out of the narrative. Right. And then all these months pass and then it's like, oh, you know, actually, and then that becomes the new narrative and it, it, it's a distinctly American thing. Did you notice that as it was happening? I was intrigued by how American news and media can create a story about you before you've had a chance to create a story for yourself. Mm. You know, I remember the whirlwind of getting The Daily Show, being announced as host of The Daily Show, and then being vilified within the space of like 48 hours. And yeah. I was like, wait, what just happened? Right. Like, I, I remember I was in Dubai, and I walked down into the hotel lobby, and one of the bellhops turned to me, and he's like, hey, you, you are the guy, you are the guy. And I was like, I thought he was going to say the comedian. He's like, you are the CNN guy. And I was like, what? And I look, and I'm on CNN, and people are just, like, discussing my appointment. And I was like, my appointment to this position? Like, I'm taking office or something. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that was, I mean, it was a, you know, it was a baptism of fire to understand a lot of how American culture is designed. You know, people- Do you pe- feel like it was like an out-of-body experience almost? Like it was happening to somebody else? I, I, I'll tell you this. I'm glad that I was in a random place that wasn't even home for me. Yeah. You know, to be in Dubai is like, if you ever want to get bad news, be in Dubai. <laughs> okay. Because it's like the one Noted. place where nothing is real. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it all feels like a dream. Right. You know? And they're so out of it. Like, it's not like they're connected to what's happening here. So you're just like, it's very much- a great place to be in the world when things are going bad for you. When when did you feel like things were finally stable? Good Lord. Probably around the conventions. That was like, what, maybe eight months into hosting the show? Yeah. Because it was, it was really hard. I remember like when, when I joined everything, I mean, like people were like, who is, what, people would call me like this prep school jock. And I was like, oh, wait, what? I, you know when you're Googling terms about yourself? Yeah. I was like, what's a prep school? What's a jock? And I was like, a, I was like, dude, I was on the chess team in school. I like, I wish I was a jock. And you're like going through all of this stuff and people have these ideas about you. Like I, I genuinely was shocked at how people just had an idea of who I was and where I'd come from. You know, they were like, oh, this kid who probably had everything in his life and now he's getting the Daily Show. He didn't have to work hard. And who is he? I was like, wait, I had everything? But, you know, and John Stewart, I remember, he was like, he was genuinely the rock that kept me going because he said to me, he said, kid, put your head down. Forget these people. They're going to try and create narratives about you. You've just got to make a good show. How, like, much, how much did you know him before you took the job and then how much did you get to know him? Well, I'm lucky that I, I got to work with John for months before he, he, he announced he was leaving. So John called me. You were a correspondent for like a year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah on and off. It wasn't even that long, but I was just playing around with him for maybe it was six months, maybe even less. But he had known me for a while and we had kept in touch. 
And, you know, we, I think we have kindred spirits. We, we, we see the world in a similar way, even though we come from completely different backgrounds. I think we connect on many ideas. And even though, like the joke I always have with John is like, it's like, it's like math. We would have completely different formulas, but we'd always come to the same number as, as our answer. Mm. And so what, what I enjoyed with him was we, we just engaged like that. And that's, that's how I got on the show. And that's what we played with. Those are the jokes that we tell with each other. And so when he said he was leaving, that became another journey. I didn't expect the show. I didn't even, it's like, you know, I was like, in my head, I was coming to work with John Stewart. Yeah. Then John Stewart said he's leaving. Then I was like, well, and now I'm carrying on my journey touring comedy in the world. And then my name got thrown into the hat and it was like, well, let's, we'll see what happens. Why do you think your name got thrown in the hat? I think because I did well on the show the few times I was on. You think they were trying to make a distinct no. decision to... No, John surprised young. everyone. Looked- no, John surprised everyone. But I think John as well, like one thing he said to me, he was really kind. He said, hey, man, from the first time I saw you, I was like, yeah, this guy could do what I do. When he's ready, he can do what I it's do. high praise. So He's really fucking smart. I mean, not, not a newsflash, but... One of the more interesting conversations I've ever had with anybody was with him like three years ago. And it was just really interesting to see how his brain worked. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. And he, he pro, it's like producer smart guy, John, versus like performer, John. Right, right, right. And it's almost like two different people. It is different people. It's not almost. It's two different yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just, like he could have cloned himself and become like the best showrunner right. in Hollywood or something. Easily. But he just I, I like solves he, problems. Yeah, I think he is one of the best showrunners. I think he like he he show ran many shows within the Daily Show, which is why so many people were able to spin off and create great shows. True. You know, I think it's the reason Oliver is so successful. I think Sam B, I think uh, you know, uh, Colbert, I think myself. We were all show run by John Stewart. I was thinking about like form. him like running Law and Order. <laughs> or CSI Hartford. <laughs> he would do like 10 dramas. He would do it, but I mean, he would be so bored after like one episode. Good Lord. Did you, did you ever fully understand why he left? He was just tired and angry. I mean, that's, that's what happens. I get it. Seemed it seemed like he just, had just completely had it with the way the cycle was, the election was coming and he looked at it big picture and was like, I just don't want to do this again. You, you, get, you get tired. And look, I could never speak to every reason John left, but I think all he said, and he said this publicly, and he said it to me as well, was, look, I'm tired and the show deserves a host who is not. And so you need to take this over. And, and he said- That's interesting. He said, don't rush to be angry. He said, I'm angry and I'm tired. Yeah. And he said, don't rush to be angry. Someone, people will want you to be as angry as I was, but don't rush for that. You'll get angry in time. Trust me. For now, use the the the, the joy of your youth to to reinvigorate the show, and that's what I tried to do. Is, is I, I'm not angry about everything. I don't think the world is ending all the time. I haven't been completely infuriated by every single person. I also don't have the right to be. You know, sometimes that's what's great about being an outsider is that I go, hey. I'm not going to talk about this like it's been happening to me for 20 years. Yeah. I'm going to give you my perspective as a human being. You know, I pay taxes in America. I live in America. And here's my opinion on what's happening. Why do you think somebody who's had a show for a long time, when the show ends, they grow a beard? <laughs> what's your theory on this? I, I, I think it's just- Because it's 100% of the time. It's just freedom. So I don't know how Sam B is going to do it, but I know, I know it's going to happen. It's just freedom. Can I tell you, it's just, that's the first thing I do is, you know why? You, the one thing you have to do when you're on TV is shave. That's like the one thing you always have to do is you got to shave. You got to look presentable. You got to shave. And then just to let it just be like, bah, 
Your face is a reminder of your freedom. It's a face rebellion. That's exactly what it is. You just go like, just let it go. What are you the proudest of of these first couple of years of the Daily Show? What am I the proudest of? Is probably that we've created a world where I think we've we've expanded like who watches the show and why they watch it, and it changes per platform. Um, but I'm proud that we've been able to get back some of the old viewers who initially left with John, which made sense. Yeah. And then we've also been able to get new viewers, people who say, I'll be honest, I, I wasn't into politics. I don't think I'm smart enough. It's intimidating, et cetera. But now I'm in. Because I, I always think it should be as simple as any other conversation you have. I think politicians have gotten good at creating such a convoluted conversation around politics that it seems like it's not meant for the rest of us. Whereas if you can't understand what a politician's saying, it's probably because it's bullshit. It should be straight up and to the point. And so I'm, I'm proud that we've been able to do that because politics should be pop culture. Um, I'm also proud that we've been able to get funny people on who've gone on to become successful in their own right, you know? Like Hassan Minaj. Like I worked with Hassan from the very beginning. You know, he's one of my close friends and a really, really great guy. And I'm like, I was rooting for him 100% to go out and be successful. Because I, that's what I see the, 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 the Daily Show as. It's an incubator for talent to come in and then blow up and go out. You know, Roy Wood Jr. has got a pilot coming up as well. Jordan Klepper's got a new show that he's doing as well, more documentary style, more in his voice. Um, so so I'm, I'm constantly excited about that. That's what makes me proud. And I'm proud to still be on the air. That's, it's not easy. It's really, really not easy, especially the way we started. Yeah, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, it's not easy. Uh, Hassan needed a win because he's a Sacramento Kings fan. That's hilarious. He just loses constantly. That's so hilarious. Is, and you know what's funny? One win he's I had. feel like that's what's made him. That's what's made him even harder. Is that like he's born from? He's born from the fire. There's something to that, though. I mean, when I, I'm a lifelong Red Sox fan, and we just got our guts ripped out for the first 35 years of my life. Right. It definitely shapes your perspective on yeah, things. When you are you a to, sports fan or no? I love sports. Love sports. Who are your teams? Do you have a team? I don't, I don't support teams. I don't buy into that that philosophy. Oh. I, I can't. You really don't like being tied down. I can't, man. I can't. <laughs> I don't like the idea that I'm going to support a team and I love this team because of who they have on the team and then those people leave because of the team and then I have to stay there? Right. What the hell just happened? Are you, you serious? You to be in your car. You're, are you, you serious? don't need a team. So I came here because of Zinedine Zidane or because of Cristiano Ronaldo, because of LeBron James, and then like they leave, and then I have to stay. It's like imagine if you told me, "Yo, Beyonce's throwing a party, come through," and I'm like, "Oh hell yeah, I'm coming to Beyonce's party." And then I get to the party, and then Beyonce leaves. Now you want me to stay at the non-Beyonce party? I came to the party because of Beyonce. That's why I was having fun. Now I'm not saying I wouldn't go to a party if Beyonce wasn't there, but if I come to the party based on the premise that Beyonce's at that party, I would like Beyonce to be present when I'm dancing. That's what I'm trying to say. This so is I support how, players. I love players. By the way, this is, I think, the under 25 American generation of sports fans is players, not teams. Yeah, why, why, why Unless should Unless you're I, in, like, you know, you're in a place with hardcore. Like no. Boston's more hardcore. For me, There's sports- certain cities like that. Sports but. is like religion. People just adopt it. How did you become a fan? My father was a fan. My father's father was a fan. What, wait, what? So that's why I should support? This is the same as religion. I go, like, why do you believe what you believe? Well, because my family, yeah, but why do you believe? Yeah. I don't mind being a fan of a team, you know? So, like, for instance, I'll, my rule has been this. I will support any team. The first team I go and watch live, I support. It's as simple as that, you know? So, in English football, I support Liverpool. 
right? First team I saw live, I love the ups, I love the downs, I love the fact that they're always on the edge of success and then it's always heartbreak. Uh, when it comes to baseball, the Mets was the first team that I got to see live, so I support the Mets, right? I go like, hey man, these people That's lose or decision. win. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm tough, just like tough beat for you. <laughs> I go with it. I go with it. Um, then basketball, I support the Knicks. That was the first team I went to see, and people always tell me that like they, there was a time when they won. I've never seen it, and so it doesn't matter to me. I'm just enjoying myself. The people throw the ball in the hoop most of the time. And that's all I need in my your life. Your soccer's your favorite, though, right? I love soccer. I love it like, whew, man. Who's your must-watch person right now? Right now? Yeah. Oh, We're that's tough. That's tough. In English football, Eden Hazard is my must-watch must watch person. Oh. As a player. Like, just, he's he's truly something special to watch on the ball. Um, I still think Neymar, just like, when he, when he, like... I love Neymar. Too. When he wants to, yeah. he'll decimate everybody, man. Neymar would have been a great NBA star because he kind of come, he's, he tantalizes you, which is like the, the the most polarizing NBA players are always the ones whose ceiling is the highest. And then they, but don't, they don't always yes. do it. Yeah. People love that in the NBA. Yeah. He would have been great. And he's good at flopping. So, yeah. <laughs> that's become a new thing in the NBA that's really strong. How about Mbappe? Mbappe is good, but he's like he's very direct for me. He's like it's it seems like it's all power. It's, it's it's a lot of skill, a lot of speed. You know, he's phenomenal in his positioning and his finishing. But but for me, Neymar, there's some players that do things with a ball that don't seem possible. You know, like there are players in every sport that can do things where you go, that doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem right. Yeah. Like when you can make a player, you know, like for instance, like let's say like a like a like an Allen Iverson. When someone is making your body do involuntary movements with their hands, that's like magic to me. Kyrie I, Irving's like that in basketball. He, he yes, does. Yeah. He's ex, he's exceptionally coordinated on both sides of his body. So he can do things with his left hand that just, if you're right-handed, you shouldn't be able to do. Right. But he does it perfectly. And I'm always like, because he's on my team. I just, oh, I'm as frustrating as he is. I just marvel at how it's, coordinated he is. Yeah, it's it's Messi's like that. Exactly. Every once in a while there'd be some free kick that Messi had on my Twitter feed. Right. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? How did he make that? My favorite goal Messi ever scored was one where he was running. It was on the right side of the field. And he's and he moves in and he cuts into the box. And it's him one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper. And he just faints his body like two or three times and the goalkeeper falls down. He never touches the ball. Right. He just shimmers and shakes. Optical illusion. But that's exactly what it is. So to to be on that level, and I, oh man, I love soccer so much. I love basketball, but I always feel like I don't understand what the other three quarters are for. I'll be honest with you. And maybe like <laughs> someone can explain minutes? it to me. No, I, I, I love basketball, but I just go like, why do I not watch the final quarter? I don't understand. I feel like it's a, it's a trick. This is a big problem with the league for years. Oh, really? Yeah, because it... it I mean, there were a bunch of problems when people used to criticize it, but the big thing was like, all you have to do is watch the last six minutes. Yeah, because I, I've seen games where it's like a team is up twenty, and then it's always it always comes back. Even in the in the uh, the March Madness, I was watching the game, and then I was like, I was like, oh, these guys are gone. And I was like, no, they're not gone. Well, it's because of the three pointer. You can be down twenty with eight minutes left and still come back. In the old days, you're down twenty, and the game is over. Huh. So the three pointer has made it a little more random. I also I feel like the three pointer is just. The everything like I've never seen this many threes in my entire life. Yeah, it's it's math is kind of kind of won over 
everyone did the math and it's like, oh, you can make slightly more points if you take more threes. <laughs> and now people are taking like 45 threes. Well, I guess the assumption used to be that it's harder to do a three, right? Yeah, because it, it was, you made a lower percentage of them. But then right. last decade, somebody was like, well, actually, if you take 10 threes and you make three, that's oh, nine points. Right. But then, and they did all the math and it was like, it actually made more sense. They get rebounded. It's easier to get an offensive rebound off a three. There's all these little ticks to it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I mean, are you surprised? You What are you, four years in America? Yes. By how much attention the basketball players command versus the other sports here, even though football is more popular. But like but you LeBron, don't see their Giannis, faces. all that stuff. Right. You don't see their faces in football. Yeah, you don't see their faces. So I can understand that. Do you like, go to basketball games? Yeah, I love them. Oh, I, I think basketball is the best sport to watch live. I agree. I Hands down. You can I've, see a bad basketball game and it'll still be really fun. I watch the Knicks, as I said. Yeah, there you go. Like every week, I will go <laughs> and I will watch the games. And I can, can I tell you, because I don't care how bad you think they are, those are impressive athletes. When yeah. you're watching them live, you will see how quickly you need to shut your couch mouth up. Everyone sits at home, why didn't he do? Yo, go. You know what my favorite moment is? Is when you're sitting at the game and the pass is missed, like the receiver misses it, and it flies towards the crowd. And the crowd was watching the ball, but nobody seems to have quick enough hands to catch a ball True. that was meant for a person three feet away from the initial throw. Right. And people on the sides, their popcorn is flying into their faces, <laughs> they're drinking. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, why didn't he catch that? Why didn't you catch that? That's like that's what I love about basketball is those moments where you realize how quick and powerful the game actually is. So for me, watching that live, it's like baseball. I used to think baseball was trash. I won't lie. And I went to watch baseball live. And I was like, man, these people run far. That's mm. how far he's throwing the ball on TV. I'm just like, man, come on. Everyone can do this. Yeah. And then when you watch the game live, you truly appreciate the intensity of what's happening. And you also, the time also flows differently, you know, because when you're watching a game like baseball on camera, I don't know. It's like, because it's a moment, your eyes don't get to consume the entire you know the entire field the atmosphere you don't get to watch the guy on the outfield you don't get to watch like the everyone doing everything every twitch every movement you don't get to experience so yeah there's a fun rhythm to baseball that's hard to explain unless yes. you go to the games every once in a while yeah so it's for, definitely me, old school basketball number one and then soccer i watch at home i've been to finals galore i i don't like it i watch soccer on tv the lower youth soccer is pretty great i don't know how much you go like to kids? be right, you get to be right mid midfield. <laughs> Great seats. They're right there. Talk about being in the action. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, my daughter's 13. And she's, I've seen some great games. That is right there. Hilarious. Courtside. That is funny. It's pretty great. Pretty intense. No, I like I like soccer. What about boxing MMA? Uh boxing I like on TV. Not and in person. No, no. Have you been close in person? I haven't been close. Maybe yeah, that's you, the you difference. have to do that. Bang really? that one out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you want to be close for one. Okay. Because then you realize like, oh my God, these guys are getting annihilated. This oh, is crazy. yeah, that makes sense. Like every punch really is would be the most painful thing that's ever happened to you in your life. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is incredible. I remember I put my fist next to Anthony Joshua's. Yeah. And his hand was the same as like basically both of my hands combined holding a small fruit. <laughs> Like, I was like, how, like, human beings are being hit with this yeah. weekly? How does he do it? I it's, don't know. yeah. I don't, I don't he's know a, he's a how he hasn't, like, 
destroyed somebody's head. He's truly one of the most impressive athletes I've ever come across. Because, like, he looks like heavyweights looked in my mind as a child. The heavyweights are now too big. They actually need to be called something else. We need like super heavyweights, and they need. Wasn't didn't they have that for a while? They did, and they gave up on Remember it. Remember when they had that? It was like back. all the fat dudes. Yeah, but now it's like these dudes are six eight, like they're gigantic. Yeah, they're six seven, like needs to be its own thing. Mega Where do you weights. stand on this whole Game of Thrones phenomenon? Well, I I I'm a season behind. Again, remember what I told you at the beginning. Don't don't do the cliffhanger thing to me. I don't oh, so like you held that. it against. Yeah, so I was like, I watched up to season six, and then when they told me season seven was only going to be like seven episodes, I was like, no, you won't do that to me. Are you surprised? I'm not going to become a crack addict like all my friends. I've seen these people. Oh man, it's coming. Oh man, it's coming. Oh oh, this Sunday it's coming, man. The new drop. Yo man, you hear about this shit, man? Oh, I heard something's going to happen to Brion, man. Oh man, you gonna get some of that, man? Oh man, I'm so excited, man. I, I don't need that in my life. Are, can you believe what a command it has over the culture? Like it's dominating our website right now. Everything really? we're doing is Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's like NBA playoffs, Game of Thrones for yeah, six weeks. Yeah, I know. I, I look, love it. They can't get enough of it. I love it, but I don't like what, what it does to me. So mm. what I would like to do is I would like to watch it as a story and finish it and then move on with my life. In your car. <laughs> Everything in my car. <laughs> can you explain cricket to me in 50 seconds? Yeah. Think of baseball. Yeah. But instead of the four bases, you have two. And all you're doing is running back and forth between the bases, and that's how you score. And then otherwise, it's the exact same game. So why hasn't it ever, ever even come close to taking off here? Because you guys hate sports that are not American. Okay. Which sport has taken off here? I'm trying to think. I guess soccer has done, made yeah, big strides last 10 years. Big strides. It but, really has. But like, not like, yo, do you know how big soccer is in the world? I, I'm aware. Like soccer is a religion in the world. Let yeah. me put it, this is how you know soccer hasn't taken off in America. You have Champions League games at 3.30 p.m. if you're in New York or at 12.30 midday if you're in L.A. That is sacrilege. I'm in my, I'm working while Lionel Messi is playing a game. I know. That's ridiculous. There should be like some kind of lunch break that is like, like agreed upon or the game should be moved to a later. That's where you understand America is like, it's not that big. So it's not our choice. It's driven from European television No, but schedules. if it was big enough, they would move it. Well, if soccer, everything gets moved when the viewership is big here's enough. Here's the thing. If soccer was actually big enough, and I think we'll get there at some point, they'll start spending real money on MLS. Uh, those teams right. will actually try to compete with Premier League and, La Liga and all that, and really try to go and get real guys in their prime that are big ticket guys. I think also another reason- We're not reason, that far away from that, I don't But think. another reason soccer hasn't become as big in the US is because I think American viewers have been, have been taught and indoctrinated that sport has to be, it's goal-driven. 100%. So, so you guys, it's actually funny when you look at it, like your, 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 your politics is capitalist, but then your, your sports is very like, socialist home runs three-pointers yeah but like your sports yeah. is like all right you guys got a chance now you guys get the ball now it's like all right now you guys get the ball now you guys get the ball oh I now see you guys you get mean. the ball yeah, yeah. now you guys get the ball oh they've had it for 24 seconds they should they should get the ball now soccer they don't play that game one team can have possession the entire game and they can dominate you there's no you get the ball other than the goal that's it so i my i've done a 180 in soccer and I was anti for a lot of the reasons you talk about. Did you like, think it was boring? It's like, 
Wow, it was a fucking zero zero tie. What the hell happened? Why why <laughs> why did I why did anyone like that? Nobody scored. What are oh, you guys doing? Man. Or uh but they decided the game in penalty kicks. And I really started to get into it 07, 08, and it just clicked in my head. What it, changed? I just understood it more. I saw the angles and the nuances and and it some of the things that I really love about basketball. Soccer has yes, those same things yes, and like the true. give and goes and the triangles. Right, and, right, right. Um, the fact that, as you said, like how important possession is and somebody can dominate a game and somehow still lose because they, you know, that one of their backs screwed up, all of a sudden they're down one nothing. Right. They've had the ball the whole time. But then when my daughter got into it, it went to another level. Oh, and, I can imagine. Um, and now I feel like I actually understand it. And now that I understand it, I get it. I just get it. It's like an I can watch his, game. I can watch whatever version of a really good game. And I don't, I don't need goals necessarily. Like sometimes a missed goal is more exciting than a goal. Well, that's what I always say to people. You've got to think of soccer like, like a true romance. You know, it's, it's a beautiful journey. Two people go out on a date. One person's trying to score. The other one person, the other person's trying to prolong how, lo how long it takes to score. There's a lot of defense and offense going on. Yeah. There's a game going back and forth. And there's moments where you think it's going to happen, then it doesn't happen. Then maybe it does happen, then it does happen. And it's like that joy. And it's like, you know, sometimes in life you don't score. You know, but you go like, yeah, but that was a great night. I had yeah. a wonderful time. There was a lot of tension that built up and, you know, we'll see what happens next time. That's like a, there's like a joy that comes from that. It was like American sports, like it's gonna happen. We're gonna make it happen. Yeah. Overtime, more overtime, over, over. No, no, <laughs> guys, why can't you just say these two things are equal? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great to just walk away from a gang being like, hey, we were equal? You guys are like, no, someone's gotta be better. It's overtime, overtime. No, that no, it's we are equal for this one day. The biggest problem here is just that we've been so incompetent with our teams. Like the women have been good, but the, the men have been so bad. They don't play a good style. We haven't really had a signature guy. Pulisic is going to be the first kind of signature guy we've probably had. Pulisic is great. He's like really, really high level. And yeah. of course, we missed the World Cup and what would have been his first one. But I think uh, in the last 10 years, the TVs have helped. The fact that the widescreen, the HD. Right. The two hours and it's over, I think, has really helped. And yeah, no ads. the internet and people just kind of get it. I do feel like it is really coming on. All, all I think that you need to way. incorporate into your sports is I've noticed, because I, I play pickup games quite a lot in New York. Mm. And one thing I've realized is American soccer players don't believe in going backwards. And I don't know if that's a byproduct of like the sports that you play, like baseball and basketball and football. All your rules in American sports. You mean sports. playing the ball backwards? Yeah, you, your sports don't allow you to go backwards. So in baseball, once you hit the ball, you have to run. In cricket, you don't. You can just be like, no, that ball's not going the way I planned it. I'm going to stay here. Well, that was a hard... So my daughter plays high forward, and we play the Barcelona style, and sometimes she has to play the ball backwards. Yes. And a big part of her position is, are we? am I possessing or am I actually going to try yeah, to attack yeah. or make the move? And it was so hard for me to grasp as a parent for the same thing you said, like, what the fuck? turn around and fucking shoot, you no. know? And it took, it took years to kind of be like, oh, I get it. It's actually the right move to play backwards because yeah. then we got to reset you'll have it a, and tack yes. again. But you guys have what? You have like a, what's it, backcourt violation? Is that a In thing? basketball. Yeah, so you, you would get rid of the backcourt violation. In, no, actually, no, no, no. in basketball, I mean, that would be fun, actually. That would be interesting. Get rid of it. I don't know how it would change the game. But yeah, like it's just it it like you force action, which makes your sport very exciting. Shot Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But near shot soon. 
Yeah. Somebody shoot. Time's up. Time's up. Time's up. Shoot the ball. Football. 40 seconds. Go. Let's go. Clock is counting. What's happening? Yeah, there is something to be said for pacing. Well, they're trying to speed up baseball now, which I'm not necessarily against. Mostly because uh, the games are just too long. Nobody wants to watch a baseball game for four and a half hours. Nobody wants to do anything for four and a half hours. Cricket is five days. Five days? Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't know if that's a sport for me. I don't know if that one works. They break for tea in the middle of the game. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Who's the greatest South African athlete ever? Depends what, what discipline. Uh, let me think. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, our greatest sprinter, I would say, is Wade van Niekerk, probably. Uh, our greatest cricket player, who was it? Oh, people would fight me on this. In legend, Alan Donald. How do you not have, like, a LeBron Makai James of South Africa? But, like, the problem is that you're competing against the world. Right. So that's the thing with America. You have the luxury of calling yourselves world champions for national sports. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we we literally base our players versus the world. So like in soccer, we we have guys that were really great, but I mean we've seen players from the up, from the world and we compete against them. So you're like, oh, I mean this guy's not the best. Yeah, he's good, but he's not the best. I have the most important question anyone's ever asked you. Can't wait to ask you this. Oh wow, Leo's accent in Blood Diamond. Break it down for me. <laughs> What went right? What went oh, wrong? Man. Was it worse than I thought it was? What's His, your reaction 13 years later? You know what? You know what? For that time, maybe it wasn't that bad. Here's what Leo did, I think. He he combined Australian with South African, with like Afrikaans, with like so like like the accent went to all the bloody blood diamond. These bloody y'all are gonna let me tell you something about who I am. Like yeah. it goes. Goes to too many places, like it, it. You know what I mean? It bounces up and so it's a little too much Australian in there. Yeah, just. A little. I feel like it cost him the Oscar. Wasn't quite good enough. It's possible because he was great in Blood Diamond. He was phenomenal. But couldn't quite master the accent. South African accent is very hard. Morgan Freeman. I thought he was just Morgan Freeman. Did he do Mandela? He did in Invictus. I thought he was just speaking like himself. He kind of he kind of tried a little bit. Oh, sometimes people give up. I thought up. that was just like old voice. <laughs> I sometimes they give up halfway was... through the movie. We're like, ah, fuck I've, it, I I've couldn't seen do it. it. That, that yeah. kills me all the time. Ah, fuck it. Hey, remember when I had the accent yeah, before? It's I've gone seen down. some people like in a scene and they'll just like skip out on the accent. They'll just be like, I'm done. Coster did that in Robin Hood. He just gave up. Yeah, he, he was, was just like, English I, for the first thirty he's minutes. Like, I'm done. Like, like, come I'm on, guys, they get it. I can't do this. They get it. Has anyone ever nailed the South African accent? Matt Damon. Matt Damon, hands down, destroyed that accent like I've never seen it destroyed really? before. Man, he crushed it. Whew. 
That boy was phenomenal. Have you talked to him about it? No. To him about this? No, I've never met him. He was phenomenal. He's never been on a Daily Show? No. No, he has. Actually, he was. Oh, geez, I never you talked to him about that. You brought this up. I didn't bring that up. He was He would have been so fired up. Yeah, no. Truly one of the... No, like maybe... Okay, it's him and it is... Uh, who is it? Is it Andy Serkis? From, oh, the, the Planet of the Apes guy? Yeah, but in yeah. Black Panther. Oh. He has the most authentic... I thought he was South African for the first half of that movie. Then I was like, wait a minute. Who is this guy? When he was there talking about the bloody vib- the vibranium, yeah, you think you know who they are, but they, they're they not who you think they are, eh? Yeah, let me tell you about Wakanda. You ever been to Wakanda? <laughs> and he had like this authentic, I was like, wow. Matt Damon, but Matt Damon was like, whew, because it was subtle. He was he was flawless. I get very particular about the Boston accents. This is a big passion thing for me. Yeah, it's a hard accent. It's people bat 50-50 with it in movies. I've it yeah. can go really, really horribly wrong. Who's your best that you've seen who's not from Boston? Oh, not from Boston? Uh, Jeremy Renner in the town was really good. I really? was impressed by him, yeah. Because on paper, movies. that could have gone badly. Right. Because um, like Damon Affleck, those are the OGs. Yes. Wahlberg can do it. Damon's the best ever. Damon in Goodwill Hunting. That's right. the best Boston accent of all time. He's really good, man. He really f- Matt Damon is like, I think, one of the most underrated actors out there. I agree. I'd, I'd, I have him over Leo, which is controversial. I would. I would agree with you. Because I, I feel Leo, like he Leo can do all the, of Leo's parts. Yeah, but Leo has the, you know where Leo gets, like the charisma, the magic, the like the, the, you know? But Matt Damon is like a, he's like the potato of actors. You could put him in anything and you could just spice him up exactly. differently. And it's like, wow, what a dish. He did The Martian and that's when people should have, that's when he should have gotten the proper amount of yeah. credit. No, because The Martian is just by himself for like 45 minutes. It's his I Am Legend. Yeah. It's, well, the best version, Hanks and Castaway. Yes. Just hangs on an island for right. an hour. Uh, Will Smith Everyone's, and I Am Legend, unfortunately, that wasn't the greatest movie. But he was phenomenal in that He was movie. good in it. He was great. He did a nice run, Will Smith. If have you, you can, had him on? If you can carry on, yeah, yeah. He's been on the show. Who have you not had on that you want to have on? Who have we not on? We just had Oprah, so that like sort of rounded oh my it out God. for me. What was that like? It was... Interviewing Oprah is honestly the most stressful thing I've ever done. I can imagine. Because she is the queen of that. I mean, come on. Like anyone she knows who does, every trick you have. Any Anyone who, you know, it's like going one-on-one with Michael Jordan. Like, yeah. okay, what are you going to do? Because you were probably watching them to learn your moves. So Oprah, everything. She'd call it out. Nice segue. Oh, not a bad little move. Like she just. Oh, she was actually calling out in your interview, moves. She's like calling oh, out the bad. plays, like while they were happening. I had the hardest person I've ever, ever interviewed was Obama. Because he's just, he can filibuster. Yeah. To ki- He's killing the clock, basically. Uh, he's running what, the possession what he, what he, game. Uh, what he does is, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, it's interesting you ask that. Um, uh, he'll hold you. <laughs> well, I think I think what you want to do, though, is uh, go back to the uh, the, the initial part. He, he does that thing uh, where he, um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. Let me ask you this. Yeah. And he takes you back. And you got to go back a little earlier. And then you're like, wow, that was one question in 20 minutes. Here's my second question of twenty. He kills the clock. Yeah. It's but but I learned takes why forty eight minutes and but turns I learned into a why twenty he minute game that, though. Control. No, he's, Obama had to be so careful of everything he said. Here's an example: when he did the interview with Letterman on his Netflix show. Yeah. Obama said he was starting a sentence where he said, "In this world, we now only live in bubbles. Right? We only consume what we consume." And he said. People on Fox News 
live in their own, in another dimension. And then the crowd cheered. Yeah. And then he went on to say, and people on NPR live in another dimension. That didn't go anywhere. The clip that was cut was Obama says, Fox News viewers live in another dimension. Yeah. Fox News played that. People went with it online. That was the clip. And so I understood that this guy lives in a world where anything he says can and will be used against him. And so he's like processing clickbait headlines as he's speaking to you. You get what I'm saying? So you, I feel you like that like the most a... basic question. Yeah, he's, basic he's question, putting it through his Obama computer. And he's going, computer. okay, how could this be? A, how could this be clickbait? How could this be clickbait? How could this? Be? And he's like processing as he's giving you the answer that he has to give you the context first. He has to give you the this side and that side and this side and that side. I feel like that happened to John Stewart a little bit because he once he got into that whole clickbait universe, it's hard not to think about that. That oh, that's something is going to be yanked around yeah. and used against you. Yeah, like you said, it's, people just clip the thing. It's like a weapon. People just. I remember once I met I met a guy at an event. It was just like a conversation like we're having now. And afterwards, I was chatting to some of the people in the audience, and this guy came up to me and he said, "Hey, I just want to let you know that I I hated your guts uh, <laughs> until I saw you speak, and you're not a bad guy. And that's, I don't agree with so you on a lot of the the politics." That you speak about, but as a human being, you're not a bad guy. And I was like, Thank you. But where did you hate me from then? I was like, Do you watch my show? And he's like, No, I just see a few things on Facebook that come up sometimes, and you know, it just didn't make me like you. And I understood where he's, man, if you go online and search the things about yourself, yeah, people, sometimes there's like headlines that don't even match what you said. Yeah. Literally, there'll just be a headline with a video link that no one clicks on that doesn't even match what you said. And the people will comment. Someone will say online, they'll be like, Trevor mocks the victims of this tragedy. And then you go into the link and it has nothing to do with that. And the people commenting are like, I, of course, that's why I hate him. And that's what we all, like, that's what media has become now. It's just like, you could put up anything. Trump said this. People don't even check if he said it or not. You know how you know how weird I feel sometimes when I have to correct people and be like, actually, Trump didn't say that. He didn't, yeah. Because yeah. I, I sometimes think it's weird to go after a guy for things he didn't do when he's got all the things he did do. Like people make stuff up about Trump. Trump said this. I'm like, he didn't actually say that, man. What? Like, come on. You know, and then it happened. People throw out Ocasio-Cortez. says, No, she didn't say that, man. It's it's crazy to me. So like, I've, she's definitely right in the vortex of that now. Yeah, but I've I've because people out. are getting traffic from her. You know. Yeah. Once she's become I, the new the new like this is who we're going after. It happened to me on a smaller degree when I got suspended from ESPN the next like six, seven months. Right. And it was like, anytime I said anything on a podcast or people could get headlines from it. And that was like, you know, the 1% version of what's happening to somebody like her, where it's right. like, I was, I like looking at Apple news on my iPhone. I like seeing what four stories they picked <laughs> and I'm amazed by how much she's in there. Like she's a fucking Congresswoman. Yeah. She's, way, way, way down on the totem pole of people who are affecting our but country every but, day, but she's traffic. Right, but that's that's the thing in America. It's not what's the news, it's it's who makes the news. Yeah. You know, it's not what the Kardashians. You need, it's not what do you need to know. It's what's the reality show of the news that you know. Right. So it literally has become that. One other thing that was hard about interviewing Obama, you can't interrupt him, especially when he's the president. No. So if he's on a four-minute you know, whatever off the reservation, you can't like jump in and steer him. He's elsewhere also good at doing the, the judo, the judo thing to stop you from interrupting. I tried to interrupting. Oh yeah, and he does. Puts yeah, the hand up. Yeah. So I'd so I'd do like the I'd go like butt, and then he like lifts up his hand with the little thumb sticking out yeah. thing, little fist with the thumb, 
Yeah, and they'd be like, oh, no, 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 Bill, Bill, before you, uh, before you interrupt me. Now, here's, here's another thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, no, hold on, hold on. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But here's the thing. Uh, Obamacare. And then you're like, oh, man. it's like back another four minutes. You can't get out. We're gone. I've, I remember like doing the math in my head. Like I could just see, it's like a hourglass that's turned. You're like, oh, now 23 minutes, 22 uh, minutes. You know oh my God, he's got three minutes that? left. You know what's the complete opposite of that? Bernie Sanders. In what way? What a pleasure to interview. That oh. guy does not waste time. It's like there's a shot clock on his answers. Oh, he's old. He's got to he get, like, get it all out. He literally out. is like, I don't have time for anything. All right, what, what, what do we do? Like, yeah, no. What, what's your plan? Healthcare, everybody, done. What do you think you're gonna do this? No. Next question. The thing we gotta understand is the people of this country move on. No. That's a waste of time. No. He's just like, what, 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 what? It's like I gotta go. Have you you've had Mayor P, right? No, he's coming on soon. Oh, it got booked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like I I'm I wanna interview him at some point. Let me ask you this question. He seems like off of that. Yeah. What do you think of the whole debate people have around like politics and sports? You know, when people would be like, don't involve politics and sports. Sports shouldn't, sports is the one place where we go to get away from politics. What do you think? What do you make of that? I was a big believer in it for most of my career. I think we, we hit a point a couple of years ago where it bled into each other too much and there was right. no way to avoid it. I see what ESPN was doing though. I, I had the former head of ESPN here two weeks ago, John Skipper talking about it, where at some point, people just want to go to ESPN and watch games and see highlights, right. and they don't want politics. So I get that. Like you, there's a safe space element to it. Even when we talk politics on on this pod, I usually put it at the end. I try not to do it that much, but right? I think it's it's just so raw for everybody right now. It's really, unless you're in it every day, I think it's really hard to just be like, okay, now are my thoughts. That's why we. I haven't even asked you about Trump yet. Right. I was saving it for the tail end. People could just get out, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I it's just too raw. Now. I don't have to talk about him. No, seriously. Not, I'm no, sure I, you've I been asked every. So what's it like? What's it like with Trump every day? I'm sure yeah. you've gotten every version of that. Every question. version of that question. And I try not to. I not, try not to repeat the generic questions. Right. But at the same time, like he bleeds. He bleeds into so many things. Well, he gets hard. involved in everything, so it's different. He did. He got involved with Tiger Woods today. Yeah, he gets involved. He in announced everything. that he's giving Tiger Woods the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And then you have all these people like, fuck this, stay out of this. <laughs> this is our moment. We don't want you in this. And everybody gets mad. He gets exactly what he wants, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've, you're always trying to figure out the balance of well, how what, much you want to put in the show versus well, what, what I, people what expect. What I do is this. I go, look, he is the president of the United States, so I will afford him the attention that he deserves because of his position. I'm not going to ignore him when he's the president of the United, he yeah. says things that move the world. When he announces there's going to be tariffs on Europe for eleven billion dollars, like that, that that will affect your life as a human being in this country. Right. So I'm not just going to be like, oh, it's just Trump. I'm going to ignore it. It's like, no, guys, you have to ignore the Trump part of it and be like, the president has done a thing. Yes. Right. But beyond that, I don't like. I don't get angry about like small. Like some people will be like, he can't spell the word council. I'm like, yeah. So who? I'm over that doesn't affect your life. There's a difference between being offended and affected. And so for me, what I try and focus on is the things that will affect you, I try and inform you about on the show. Things that you may be offended by, I make jokes about. I'm like, hey, man, everyone's offense is going to be a different thing. You know, if he says something that offends you, but it doesn't affect you, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make jokes. I can't live in a state of constant rage. I don't think it's healthy. 
I agree with you. And I think the apology culture that's kind of blossomed over the last four years where people getting mad and demanding either an apology or that other people admit that this was bad. And, right. And sometimes it just feels like a hamster wheel. You know what the problem I have with apology culture online is? Is that people don't really want the apology. They don't want atonement. They want you to apologize to them to make them feel important. They want to be the person that got the apology from you. Yeah. I've had that online where like, let's say I said something or it was a joke or an idea. And like, it's funny, Michael Che from SNL, we always talk about this where we'll be like, it's funny how in the news, they'll report about something a comedian said and they'll be like, comedian said this. And it's like, no, comedian joked this. Yeah. We are joking. You know what I mean? It's funny how like, People won't believe any of the stories we tell on stage, but then they'll believe the points of view that we have on stage for some strange reason. You go like, yeah, sometimes you're telling a joke to try and get to a place to make another point. If you clip it out of context, it doesn't work, you know? And so like, that's, that's a space, but apologies. I feel like a lot of the time people just want you to apologize to them at Bill Simmons, one twenty three. Trevor, why did you say this? Then I go, Oh, actually I, I apologize for that. Well, I don't, I don't remember the apology. Yeah, but it's already happened. But well, can I have one? Can I get one? <laughs> and then a year later, someone else tweets. It's like a free like, latte. Yeah, at Bill Simmons 135. I didn't see the apology. This happened seven years ago. Where's the apology? It already happened. But I didn't. It's like everyone wants their thing. They want their, their moment. It's like it's a mob. Everyone wants to get their punch in in the mob to say that, yeah, I was part of his, you know, I was part of that, that, that justice. We did it. It's just people walking around with the torches. But people care less about atonement, though. I don't care about apologies. I care about what you're going to do. I get mad when people get mad about stuff like like art, like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, why like, they do that? I don't like the way the female characters... I'm like, this is a TV show. They're making all this shit up. They don't have a moral responsibility <laughs> with the show. This is set... I don't even know what world we're in. It's a fantasy world with dragons. And That's funny. The first episode was a brother and sister having sex and then pushing an 11-year-old right. boy off the wall. Why are we litigating this? This is a ridiculous show. That's funny. They've got... I, I think they've done a good job, though, with, like, if you look at women in Game of Thrones, I mean, maybe someone will fight me on this, but... Man, they they like they have you, awesome female characters right. in Game of Thrones, and also varying degrees of because it's not like the women are just stereotyped or or or, or type cast into a certain role. You have different degrees of power, different styles of power. You have from Cersei to Khaleesi. It's like you know what I mean. I, I that's what I've I've grown up believing is that like yeah. women can be evil, women can be good. It's not like woman is one thing. What so, about the big story this week about dragon shaming? <laughs> Wait, are you being serious? You can't be serious. That no, thing? I'm making that up. Oh, I think man. you would have believed that, though. Yo, you, you got to believe everything <laughs> these days. You think Drogon got dragon shamed hey, man, in I'll the last anything. episode. I'll believe anything. There's the people, they don't realize what's happening with dragons. I'll believe anything. <laughs> you really didn't believe that for a second. Can I tell you, the <laughs> things that I've seen that people get behind these days online is like, like I get that you want to live in a society where everybody understands everything about everybody else. Yeah. But I also think that there has to be a certain level of tolerance that goes both ways. You have to understand that everybody doesn't get everything about you. Right? And so sometimes we like it it, it gets so it gets so intense that people are just like like I'll see someone post a picture with their puppy online when they put a hat on their dog. 
And people would be like, take that. A dog is not a toy. Yeah. How dare you? That animal should be taken away from you and killed. Like, like wait, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? My dog's having a good time. Now, I don't have a dog personally. I never did this. This is just a, like a hypothetical thing before people start tweeting me about a dog that's fictitious. Trevor, no, it's gonna be Trevor Noah hates dogs. Trevor Noah p- puts hats on dogs and gets them Trevor, killed. Trevor Noah rips dogs on Bill Simmons' <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Simmons agrees. <laughs> yeah, I was. I always have fun on Twitter with these these uh, emotional rescue dogs. Yes, these people that you know you can you can do it right now. You can get some doctor to write some note that you need to travel with your dog. It's oh, really a way yeah, of getting out. Oh, it's really yes. a way of getting Emotional out of putting support. your dog up. Emotional, Emotional support, support animals, yes. Um, yeah, so, people have abused that system. Oh, you think? Yeah, they've abused you that you system. Riding on a plane next to somebody with a golden retriever in their yeah, lap. It's man. like, this is my emotional support Man, you support know what the dog. worst thing for me is like, I've seen people where I'm like, yo, you emotionally supporting your animal. That animal's afraid of everybody. Yeah. Guess what a dog doesn't want to do? Flat cross country. Oh, man. That's but, where people just like abuse the system. Oh, it's unbelievable. And they, you see people the woman can in write New York their notes. With the emotional support peacock? Yeah, it's, I, I mean, people are lunatics. And then I love how people were like, but that's just ridiculous. I'm like, why? Why is it any more ridiculous? Yo, your animal's your animal. I mean, I don't know which animal emotionally supports I have three dogs, you. so I feel like I can, I can make fun of this stuff. <laughs> I, I feel like when I see some guy who clearly just didn't want to board his dog for two weeks. Right. Taking his dog on a flight to Boston. That's like a German shepherd. It's like, what emotional support are you getting from this? Yeah, but what sucks is that Just there are people stop. who really need emotional support. Yeah. Animals. Like they, they've I fully been using support them for a that. while. And then now so that- now it's going to be Simmons Slam's emotional rescue. It's like, no, I'm not. I get the emotional rescue dogs. That's funny. Emotional support. I don't know. Uh, anything else? We hit everything. No, man, we, we're in the game. I, I'm so glad how low we kept the Trump part of the conversation. That's how it should be. It was be. like three minutes. That's what we had to talk about. Sports. Two and a half minutes? All right. Who's your favorite athlete you've interviewed? Who's my favorite athlete I've interviewed? LeBron yeah. James. How come? He, He's so hit or miss in interviews. He was amazing for me, man. He like, you know, what I like about LeBron is like he he he's always doing it wrong for somebody. Yeah. And so I appreciate how much of a statesman he has to be while he's being a sportsman. People take that for granted. Mm. A lot of sportsmen can just put their heads down and and dunk or score the touchdown or score the goals and carry on with their lives. But he has to be a statesman for the game. How he sits on the side of the court affects what stories they're going to tell about him. How he hangs his head after a loss is going to determine the narrative for the next week. And a lot of that, like carrying the game as a statesman, comes with a certain responsibility and a strain that I don't think a lot of people understand. And so what I liked about him is that like he sat down with me and he spoke about everything. He spoke about what it was like growing up in a home where he didn't have everything, growing up in a yeah. community where he didn't have everything. But then like, but like sharing stories of like how he engages with kids and how he's trying to make their world a better place and talking about the sports itself. Like I, I told him the story of how I used to wear these LeBron t-shirts when I traveled, cause I used to be on the road every weekend and I didn't have like a home in when I, when I first came to the US. And I wore, um, so I, I used to find clothes that didn't wrinkle easily, you know, cause I was packing, unpacking, packing, unpacking every city you go to. And, um, I, I bought a bunch of these these Nike dry fits. They were LeBron shirts, and they had like a giant lion on the front. It was his logo. And it didn't have Nike anyone. It just had a lion. I was like, I love lions. I'm from Africa. And so I got the lion, went everywhere, and I went to Cleveland just after he had left. 
And I did not follow basketball that way. I did not know how big of a deal it was. And I walked through the streets and people were cussing me out. They were like, you fucking asshole, get the fuck out of here. And I was just like, this is the most racist city I've ever visited in my, people don't even, I was like, this is insane. I got on stage, people booed me. And then finally someone said to me, yo, you've got a lot of balls wearing that shirt in Cleveland right now. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, LeBron just left and the town is decimated. Oh my this. God. And I was like, oh shit, no one told me this. And then I come back years after he's won, like after he won the championship. And I came back and I was wearing a similar shirt. And all of a sudden people were like, great shirt, man. Yeah, yeah, LeBron. yeah, LeBron. And so we're talking about that. And so we just talked about like his journey and like, you know, what it's like to go from being a villain to a hero, hero, villain, back to hero. Like it's, so I, like I just, he was great, man. Great sense of humor, wonderful guy. He's like, can I tell you, man, for LeBron James to be performing at the level that he's performing at and still have the mental just wherewithal to function as a human being without drunken rants in the streets, you know, yeah. without going crazy in the world. He is truly an icon for me. That's like, that's like, he's easily one of my favorite people I've interviewed. One of my favorite people that I know as a human being. I'm not even, not even a close friend of his, just like, just to know him. Hey, LeBron, how you doing? Phenomenal. You just made me like guy. him again. I was down on him the last couple of weeks. Now nah, I'm, man. I'm rallying nah, back. Man. He's, he's like, he's special. Okay. He really is special. Uh, we never talked about your podcast, so. What's your podcast? <laughs> um, it's funny. It's funny enough. It's going to be in and around what we're doing. You know what I what I spoke to you about. Long now. form interviews on second thought. Not even long form interviews. Long form conversations. Yeah. Just breaking down how we think about what is happening in the world around us. So when something, when a story breaks, there's the initial wave, and then it dies down, and then we move on. But I want to take a moment to go. Hey, let's talk about that story now that our emotions are not involved. Yeah. You know, they always say like the worst time to to go grocery shopping is when you're hungry. And I think a lot of the time, the worst time to discuss the news is when it's just happened because everyone's emotional about it. So the podcast that I'm creating is literally on second thought. Let's take a step back. Let's go back to that moment, talk about it and figure out what the underlying so issues one really guest? are. Yeah, one guest, maybe a friend of mine who's a comedian, you know, just keep it light, have fun. There's no wrong, there's no right. It's just like, this is how we think. And, and the guest... Most of the time, it's going to be someone who has some expertise in the field, you know, so we're not just rambling about stuff that we don't know. Someone who can be like, actually, this and this and this, actually that and that and that. And, you know, just give us a bit of insight into the world that we're discussing. And that premieres next week. That's going to premiere next week, yeah. Luminary. On Luminary. We have Luminary. We have a couple of Luminary things coming as well. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see but Yeah, how but now you've inspired me, man. I didn't think a, a podcast could be this chilled. Oh, that's good. This is dope. I've never been so See, now, like now I feel threatened by you because I'm super competitive. Now it's like yet another person I have to compete with. Oh, no, but I, I, I'm not, no, no I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to do it in the same world. I'm just like, you know. Listen, I, I'm so glad the dragon shaming thing happened. I was like <laughs> my interview highlight of the year so far. <laughs> How sad is the internet that you actually like genuinely believe that for a half second and you should have. I get questions like that all the time. Yeah. I'll be on a red carpet and someone will ask me something like that. They'll be like, Trevor, what do you think about the da da da? And I'll be like, the what? <laughs> and then I have to go research and I'll be like, is this a thing? <laughs> and then you find it is a thing. You're like, yeah. how, how is this a oh thing, people? Yeah. Nice to meet you and uh, hang you, out man. with you finally. This is fun. Good luck this with the podcast. Fun. Good luck with the show. I've been a fan of yours for a while, so thank you very much. Thank you. Bro.